You are tuned to WBAI in New York, listener-sponsored radio. Yeah. Yes, what else could it be? Here's a dollar! <laughs> <laughs> and we've all been changed by this program. The previous program was, of course, brought to you live with portions very much, more or less, on recording. Again, the time is 101. This is WBI New York, our next scheduled program. Primary sources with uh, Peter Wilson will be heard immediately. sources, or I should say good morning. I always get that wrong. doesn't seem like morning to me. I'm Peter Wilson. This is WBAI, listener-sponsored radio in New York. The program is called Primary Sources, ordinarily under the control, so to speak, of James Ursay. And uh, I've been sitting in for him all summer, as you may or may not know. And tonight, big special treat, finally got a tape from James called Letter from Tiberius. It's not a letter, it's a tape made especially for you, his beloved listeners. So hang in there, we'll get around to it, sooner probably rather than later. The theme music was, uh, or the intro music or whatever you call it, was from Iran, volume 3 and 4, Anthologie de la Musique Traditionnelle, the neigh or flute played by Mohamed Moussavi, and the record produced by my friend Jean Durang, who really ought to be known as the music director of this program, because I've hardly played anything all summer that wasn't connected with Durang in one way or another. Um, great show last week, right? I thought so. Other people thought so. And uh, we are going to uh, make a special edited version of that tape, that interview with Robert Anton Wilson, science fiction author extraordinaire, author of Illuminatus Trilogy and other works. And um, I'm going to use that as a, what do you call it, a premium? Premium and signed. Uh, oh, yeah, signed. Copies of that tape will be available for people who subscribe at $10,000 or above or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm, I don't. What is it? Usually like a few hundred dollars or something? It's like 50 or 100. 50 or 100. We'll figure it out. But anyway, copies of that tape will become available for Robert Anton Wilson fans. I went out to New Jersey th the other night to say goodbye to Bob, and we were talking about the fact that, he's al that he always gets mail from people who are like 30, 30, 33 and a third degree Masons and uh, members of the 
Ordo Templi Orientis and all this sort of stuff, assuming that he is in fact some kind of uh, grand hidden inner master of some Illuminatus, Illuminati order, and they tell him all kinds of secrets and they expect him to reciprocate. And uh, I said, how would he like it if I started a rumor about him that he isn't the head of any secret order, that he is not the secret inner outer head of the Illuminati? Uh, or the OTO or whatever for our age. And he said, sure, great idea, do it. Maybe it'll solve his ma some of his problems. So you heard it first here on WBAI, new rumor that can be spread from, from this epicenter. Robert Anton Wilson is not the head of the Illuminati. You heard it here first. Now, we've got our mailbag, quite a lot of mail, quite a lot of very interesting mail. So I think I'll just start going through it more or less at random here. Something from a listener who sent a whole bunch of his own self-published writings, having been inspired by my raps about zines and American Samizdat and so forth. He says, um, if I have anything in writing on my observations about the productions of writers who are not professionals or big names or published through established channels and all of that, then this person says, I'd like to have those thoughts of yours on this subject in writing. Well, I don't really. I haven't really written anything about my diatribes about the American publishing industry or anything like that. I can only recommend for those who missed the show on Semitext USA that you hasten out and get a copy of that, Semiotext, S-E-M-I-O-T-E-X-T-E. -E. The big, massive, 352 pages of um, marginal American writing. Not all marginal. There's some very famous people in it, too, including Robert Anton Wilson, as a matter of fact, and William Burroughs and Allen Ginsberg, all those good folks. But it's also basically uh, a big compendium on American self-publishing, what I suppose might be called underground writing, although I don't really think that's a very appropriate term anymore. I mean, what's overground? You know, where's the ground? <laughs> Maybe it's ground to zero publishing or something. I don't know. Um, it's available at St. Mark's Bookstore. It's available, surprisingly enough, at B. Dalton's in the Village. It's available at the DeBoer's Bookshop on... Uh, 6th Avenue and um, 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 is it 12th Street, 11th Street, somewhere around there. It's a little tiny uh, shop, looks like a cigar shop, but it's got one of the finest selections of um, unusual journals in the city. I recommend that even if you're not looking for semiotext, you should drop by and have a look at this little tiny shop crammed full of journals. Journals are hard to get. Um, even above-ground journals are very har are often hard to get, simply because booksellers find them to be not a very profitable proposition. I don't know how Bernard de Boer does it. I guess he figures that uh, sheer quantity is going to make up for the r relatively small profit margin that that anybody has in dealing with uh, with journals. My hat is certainly off to de Boer. They're a very serious company. And they do very well by us, by semiotext. And they're mostly responsible for the local bookstore distribution. 
So those are the places that I know. I, I, I did see some copies at uh, Shakespeare and Company on the Upper West Side. And I know it's 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 around. It's in it's on the on the bookshelves in your in your local highbrow bookstore at this very moment. And I recommend it as a major source for all the kind of things that I've been talking about in terms of American Samizdat. Um, it's meant to uh, act as a directory, a network directory for readers who want to get plugged into this world themselves. So it is at one and the same time both an introduction to that world and a tool for using that world to your advantage. Another letter. I don't think have I, I'm enjoying your radio show a lot. And I must say, even for WBAI, your range of topics is diverse. I mean, pirates, Sufi poetry, philosophy, tarantella, fanzines, Muslim devil worshippers. Yes, I guess that does sound a little eclectic, doesn't it? Uh, let's see, this is someone who uh, is interested in comic fanzines, comic fandom. It's quite a long letter. I won't get into it. It looks like an interesting letter. We are big comics fans here, too. Sydney knows even more about it than I do. I think it would be a good idea to have a radio show about comics. It uh, doesn't, auto doesn't automatically sound like a great idea, because after all, you wouldn't be able to uh, see anything. But, um, I mean, if you can, you know, have radio shows about science fiction, like Freund Jim Freund does, or like about any kind of textual stuff, then I don't see why you shouldn't have radio about comics, too. And there's plenty of interest to be done with interviews and reviews and so forth. Aha, here's something very important. You know, if you're a faithful listener, that uh, Yael Draguila is the co-host and MC of our great um, Antarctic Astral Convention. And, in fact, she is the real guiding force, because I myself am not what you would call a, um, how can I say, serious practicing ceremonial magician. I'm not, but Yael is. Excuse me, I'm very thirsty tonight. I ate some Indian food. My fingers are all dyed yellow, and probably the inside of my body is all dyed yellow, too. That's the way it feels. Uh, where was I? Yael Draguila has written me to say that um, she wants an, something added to the Astral Convention. And uh, it's a little bit too late to do this through distributing anything in print, and I'm going to have to write and tell her that. But at least I can let you know about it. And you, if you're planning to come to our Astral Convention on the Astral Plane in Antarctica on the last day of the last night of the month, that is to say, um, 30 days have September, April, June, and November, August 31st, September 1st, at um, 1 o'clock in the morning. That's when the party is, and it's in Antarctica, and um, you have to go in your astral body. Now, Yael, how can I put this? Well, she says she's fallen in love. She's fallen in love with this guy in Seattle where she's recently moved, and she wants this to become a serious event in her life, this love. She even mentions the word 
shudder, marriage as one of her goals. Now, far be it from me, I won't pass any judgments. If Yael wants to get married, then Yael should get married. If that's what's going to make her happy, I'm for it. And you should be too, because she's your hostess, and uh, you want her on, on your good side. She's not only the hostess, but the high priestess of Thoth, for heaven's sake. So, here's the deal. When you get to Antarctica, just as you're about to go into the big temple of Thoth that we will have prepared for you for the party, you should say to yourself that... How does she put it here? She has a... Actually, she has a, a formula. Right. Now, here, here she says, in the, in the main pavilion, before the Hall of Thoth, join in a calling down of the moon and an earthing of the lunar current by means of blank. Blank includes asking that, say, Yael Draguila be well married to the man she's currently interested in within six months and have a good stable home to go with it by then, as well, ever, as, as, well as whatever you want for yourself, plus any and all individual requests from anyone else. So... She says, I'll be high priestess for it. I'm getting very good at invoking Thoth as it is. I can do it if I have everyone's cooperation. So, of course, she could tell us all that when we get to Antarctica, but you know how things are on the astral plane. Sometimes what you think you're saying doesn't come across as what, you, uh, as what other astral travelers might actually hear. So at least we, the local New York WBAI listening contingent of those who are going to go to the big party, should be aware of this, that our MC and hostess and high priestess, Yael Dragula, would like to have our hearts with her during the, uh, during the big blowout. We should be thinking or devote at least a little corner of our astral thought to um, getting her together with this paragon of humanity. I won't describe, I won't read the parts of the letter where she describes this chap that she's fallen for, but believe me, uh, he sounds like Mr. Wright. I, I don't think there's any, there's any doubt about it. Um, and uh, so let's all pull together for Yael. Praise Bob. Praise Bob. That's, uh, that's not Bob, Ant that's not Robert Anton Wilson I'm talking about, as you well know. Got a new issue of Nox, N-O-X, the magazine of the Abyss, published by Disruptors. Uh, have you got your pencils out? This one is English. Uh, it's another Chaos Magic magazine, published by, uh, just send it to N-O-X, 28 High Woods Road, Mexborough. M-E-X-B-O-R-O-U-G-H South Yorkshire Y-O-R-K-S-H-I-R-E S-64 9-E-P P as in Peter. I haven't had a chance to look at it yet, but I've seen other issues of Knox. It's, it's very hip, very interesting. Um, not as hip and interesting as Chaos, which I also got another issue of. But I would definitely, it's probably the, at least the second best of all the English chaos magazines. And certainly worth a look. So, you know, the usual. I, can ne I, never, I never tell you what 
kinds of money these uh, zine publishers are asking for because this is a non-commercial station and I don't wouldn't want anybody to think that I'm advertising these as product but I think I've explained to you before send some money send a self-addressed stamp envelope send a copy of your own publications or or Xerox art or whatever it is you do write a letter tell these people who you are tell them where you heard about them tell them why you're why you're interested come on like a human being and it really isn't important exactly what uh, amount of money is enclosed, or perhaps you're poor and you don't, you're not able to enclose any money. It doesn't matter. It's money is not really the issue here. The issue is to just jump in, get involved. Uh, and as I say, got a new issue of Chaos, K-A-O-S. This is the ninth number of Chaos, edited by Joel Barocco in London, and every issue just gets better and better. The, it tends now that there's fewer and fewer articles as articles and more and more letters, and uh, so you might say in a sense it's, it's sort of tending, tending almost to become an APA, an APA, a letter zine. But it isn't really, because people who write letters for this, I don't, let me, let me tell you, I have another zine here. Um, called Notes, uh, which is done here in New York by Sam Helm and Ginny Fleming, uh, who are wonderful people, libertarian sci-fi, uh, excuse me, science fiction fans. I know that sci-fi is supposed to be a term of contempt. I, I don't know why that should be. SF is the good way to say science fiction, and sci-fi is supposed to mean the, the junk. Um, w the origin of this superstition, I don't know. I'm often inclined to say sci-fi myself without any nasty intention. This one is useful because, I mean, it's nice because it, uh, it uh, tells you about other zines, and there is some, there's some nice cartoons in it, and uh, a couple of funny articles, including this one I'm looking for, which is really quite amusing, about sports, but it's called Spots, S-P-A-W-T-S. Anyway, it's, uh, can't find it. It's very amusing. Oh, here it is, by Jeff Grimshaw. Spots. Love it. Uh, but um, the, it's mostly devoted to letters, and this is the kind of letters that you usually find in fanzines and appas. Um, somebody talking about their cat, somebody talking about the weather, lots of people talking about their new a word processor, um, gossip, references to things that have appeared in previous issues of the zine that you didn't see and you don't understand what they're talking about. Quite a lot of, shall we say, whimsical humor. But this is, I mean, it's okay. I like it. I don't dislike this kind of zine. And I wouldn't tell you about this one if it weren't a particularly good example of its kind. But I do not when I get hold of one of these things, sit down and devour every word in it the way I do with chaos. In chaos, the people who write letters are all extremely strange and interesting people, even if they're idiots. I mean, you know, even if I disagree with them, that is to say. Uh, it's all done on a very high level. The letters are all fascinating, and many of the letters turn out to be actual meditations or articles on, on certain subjects that are of interest to the readers of chaos at that at this particular moment. One of the big issues at the moment is um, an expose of the British um, 
scandal that's blown up in occult circles involving the Temple of Psychic Youth, Genesis P. Orridge, um, and the rock group, which, what is it called? Oh, Psychic TV. Uh, Genesis P. Orridge is a poet, occultist, and rock musician who's, uh, I guess, taken up residence in England. I don't know if he's English to begin with. And there's some scandal about him and the OTO, the Ordo Templi Orientis, Orientalis, or however you say that. And Joel has cottoned onto these people as representing something about occultism that he particularly despises and wants to make fun of. And he's been running a series of uh, expose articles on um, Temple of Psychic Youth. And it just gets more and more hilarious. It is, it's really, it's like a wonderful soap opera. And then there's uh, another great feature in Chaos is called Mass Observation, which actually, I presume Joel got the idea from those communists who did mass observation back in the 30s. And it was a very interesting experiment. I cannot remember their names, but I've seen some of the material that was basically a kind of oral history. Is the idea is you go around and observe people in masses and, and talk to individuals in groups and uh, kind of try to get the idea of what large groups of people are doing by, by being an individual observer and sort of making your witness you know, you're putting your testimony on uh, on file for posterity. The idea was originally thought up by Marxist intellectuals um, who produced some very witty and interesting stuff. And uh, Chaos has taken this up. They have a column called Mass Observation. I don't know whether Joel does it himself or whether he gets somebody else to do it. But it's very, very funny. It's a wonderful reportage of the, of the things that go on in occult circles in, in England. For example, if you remember last week or the week before, I mentioned some friends of mine, uh, John and Caitlin Matthews, who edited a book that I have an essay in, which we might get around to sooner or later, here on the Grail. And uh, one of the reviews here is the second Merlin Conference, which was held June 13th to 14th, 1987. And my friends, John and Caitlin, were very much involved in that. And so there's a report on my friends, John and Caitlin, in this magazine by, by another friend, uh, Joel is a correspondent friend. Uh, John and Caitlin are very old personal friends, and I thought, oh no, they're going to oh, they're going to rake John and Kathy over the coals because uh, they're kind of um, shall we say they're Arthurians, and Joel is a chaot, you know, a chaos worshiper, if you want to put it that way. Um, a chaos philosopher, whatever, and uh, not at all the same school of English occultism, you know, but. It, it wasn't too bad. It was it, They poked a little fun at John and Caitlin, but uh, nothing too bad. But some of their mass observations reports on, um, oh, there's one on Stonehenge Summer Solstice. One on the uh, a conference on the Golden Dawn was just hilarious. I mean, I've seldom seen a better piece of reportage in any category. Anyway, I'm going on too much about this magazine, but it's because I really think I have to say, this one is beginning to look to me certainly the most interesting publication in all of England, and maybe, you know, one of certainly one of the dozen best uh, zines in the whole world. Chaos, K-A-O-S. And you can get it from Joel Biroco, B-I-R-O-C-O, and his address is BM Utopia, London, WC1. N3XX, England, of course. And I really suggest you try to get as many back copies as you can. I mean, if you're into this at all, 
if you have any interest in this at all, um, in, in the zine world, in occultism, in strange comparative religion, any of the things I'm talking about, please believe me, if, you're, if you've enjoyed any of my shows, you're going to love chaos. And by the way, I'm also building this up because next week, inshallah, I hope, if all goes well, we will finally get down to uh, something which I promised at the beginning of the summer, which is a program or series of programs on chaos and quantum mechanics and um, spirituality. Chaos science, chaos philosophy, chaos magic, quantum mechanics, and the theory of the oneness of being in Sufi, Sufi metaphysics. That is my chosen theme for the future. And um, Chaos Magazine, the magazine I'm talking about now, has been a major source of inspiration. At this point, it's published almost all the people I know who are involved in Chaos thinking. Um, I mean, I don't mean the scientists. They're all working for the government. No, that's not true. But many of them are. Um, Tundra Wind just had an article in this issue of Chaos. As one of the few chaotes who had not yet been represented here. So it's really, it's a journal of record. This is, this is our New York Times. <laughs> this is our journal of record here in the world of chaos. And um, if it interests you, this is the one zine to get if you're getting one. Moving right along. Oh, wonderful letter from a friend of mine sent me a selection from a letter that someone sent him from the Comoros Islands, which I believe is somewhere off the uh, east coast of Africa. And I'll just, it's, I couldn't resist this. It's so apropos. This correspondent of my friend says, There's Islamic voodoo, a tale uh, for you both. I don't know who he's talking to, but let's imagine it's you and me. Midnight before last, foolish moon, the sahib, that is he, went for a walk in a local cemetery to smoke in peace <clears throat> uh, uh, something from Kenya. Some guys came with white chickens, chanted, cut their throats. At high point of the right, behold, the sahib, immaculately frightful in dusty white suit, <clears throat> stoned and grinning a friendly, blank-eating grin, marred by lack of front teeth, my bridge had fallen out, a long story, lurches up from behind a gravestone in the very image of Baron Samadhi and joined in the chant, which I half remembered from a science fiction book, Star War Blues by Richard Lupoff, not bad at all. I don't know what he means by that. Total consternation, fear and flight. Imperiously, I called them back. We shared a rum and blood, uh or two, and parted cautious friends. The word got around. Two Catholic missionaries shook their crucifixes at me in the market this morning. I gave them the finger. <laughs> so, that's a little report on Islamic voodoo from the Comoros Islands. Yes, we do hear from strange people in strange places. Um, here's a listener who sent me a beautifully calligraphed letter. You know who, if you're listening, you know who I mean. Very interesting handwriting. Just to say that uh, plans to be at the Astral Party and is loving the show. So thank you very much. These kind of letters, it's also a very beautiful drawing here. These kind of letters mean a lot to me. By the way, later on in the evening, 
not too much later, actually. I think we should take a few phone calls because um, I haven't done that for a number of weeks and I know I'm starting to feel a little guilty about it. So first let's finish up the mailbag business here or at least make a bigger bigger inroad into it. I believe I have mentioned to you already two Moorish Orthodox Church publications, one from Providence, Rhode Island and one from Ukiah, California. Well, there is now one, a Moorish Science Monitor from Chicago. There are now three, count them, three Moorish Orthodox publications going on at once in America. This is really an annus, annus mirabilis for the church. And sometime, I don't know whether I should try to do it tonight. Let's see how we do with the Yezidis. I want to finish up the uh, so-called uh, devil worshippers of, of Kurdistan tonight. And if we can get to the end of that, I might start talking about the Moorish Orthodox Church. But I'll just let you know now, <coughs> in the Xenoid section of the show that um, my friend James Coneline in Chicago is preparing an exquisite, and I mean really exquisite, Moorish Science Monitor Midwest Edition. And if you are interested in getting in on that, let's see, I'll give you an address for him. Coneline, K-O-E-H-N-L-I-N-E. -E. You can write to him at the Axe Street Arena, A-X-E, Axe Street Arena, 2778 North Milwaukee, Chicago, IL 60647. In this case, I couldn't even tell you how much he wants for it if I knew, because I don't know. Or something. I don't know. That didn't come out right. Anyway, he's, an, he's basically an artist, and um, there's almost no text in this version that he sent me, but he is a magnificent Xerox collagist. Sydney, you should have a look at this. You'll like this. And we will talk about the Moorish Orthodox Church later. If not tonight, then next week before we get on to chaos. That's a promise. Not quite in the world of zines, but very close to it is Fifth Estate, the last and only survivor of the real underground press of the 60s, still published after all these years in uh, Detroit. This is volume 22, number 2, and the 326th issue of Fifth Estate has just come out August 1st, summer 1987. They have been around forever, and they have not gone back one inch on their ideals. They're still pushing basically your, uh, your 60s green Paleolithic optimistic anarchism anti-technological, I mean, who wouldn't be anti-technological if they lived in Detroit for all those years? Um, a little bit too anti-technological for my taste. Uh, I love greenism, but I also enjoy, as, you've, as you found out last week, I'm also perfectly willing to go along with Robert Anton Wilson and his crazy futurism. I'm for everything that, that wakes and shakes the human brain, keeps us awake and interested. And um, therefore, I will tell you that Fifth Estate is the other side of the coin of anar modern anarchism from Robert Anton Wilson. These are the people who look back to the Stone Age, in effect, for inspiration. But the, 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 whereas, uh, you know, Bob looks forward to, the, uh, to being the first person to actually go out and leave Earth and live in a space station. So they're really two very different personality types, but f they're both, to my way of thinking, equally smart and equally interesting and equally not boring, thank God. Uh, Fifth Estate is always full of Excellent, excellent articles. They have people like T. Fulani and Maple, who's the editor, uh, 
and John Zerzon, who's a sort of a friendly enemy of mine. I often in, find myself involved in fights with him, but I think we both respect each other. Uh, he's a, I think he's a wonderful writer, very pessimistic, very anti-modern, but very, very smart. So, Fifth Estate, if you don't know about it now, it's n still not too late, and if you have uh, an interest in green greenery, greenism of any kind, um, they also have lots of news from around the world of uh, ecological and political events, anarchist political events, and uh, uh, radical greenism of various sorts, and I really suggest that you uh, get hooked into this one. You can contact them, Fifth Estate, at 4632 2nd Avenue, Detroit, MI 48201. And uh, th they're going to be a little bit more serious about subscriptions. After all, you don't manage to hang around for, all the, for, for two decades or more without getting a little serious about money. But, on the other hand, they are anarchists, so if you can't afford what they want, make them an offer. They'll probably at least think about it. Speaking of anarchists, uh, I mentioned last week, and I will mention again, that there's a very important meeting of all New York anarchists, or we hope, it is hoped, all New York anarchists, uh, sponsored by the Anarchist Switchboard, and meeting this Next Thursday, week from today, at 7.30 p.m., so I will probably be there myself and, and uh, still have plenty of time to make the show, um, at the Workman's Circle at 369 8th Avenue. That's 369 8th Avenue, which is at 29th Street. And it's in that, uh, that old um, housing development that was put up by the Ladies' Garment Workers uh, Union as housing for their union members, I guess, back in the 30s or 40s or sometime. Kind of uh, already outdated architecture of modernism down there. Kind of dreary place. Looks like a high school gym. But we, we have, I have personally attended many, many interesting events there. This one promises to be hot. The idea is to uh, form tighter, a tighter network in local area anti-authoritarian groups. That includes people who are not necessarily anarchists, but might consider themselves just anti-authoritarian in any, in any way. Punks, uh, libertarians, I don't know, lone-crazed assassins, you name it. Be there, as they say. I guess that just about gets us to the bottom of the uh, mailbag. And what else have we got to talk about before we hear James's famous tape? The Letter from Tiberius. Um, I've talked about... Oh, well, so what about the uh, harmonic convergence, guys? Yes, Sydney. Oh, I just wanted to mention this, the Moorish Science uh, Monitor Midwest Edition. Right. You gave me to peruse as I passed by you doing uh, meter readings. It is the most amazing... Isn't that good? He's gorgeous. He's beautiful work I have seen in years. He's an extremely talented artist. Excellent. I highly recommend. Right. Highly, highly recommend. You see? You see? What did I tell you? I'm not crazy. Um, oh, the harmonic convergence. I did hear a report. A friend of mine, a couple of friends of mine were down there at dawn. They saw a lot of people wandering around looking lost, holding candles, and that was about that. 
And then as Sydney said, uh, there were some people, go what was it again? You might as well... Well, what, what else uh, happened on the uh, Harmonic Convergence on, Day? On that glorious day, three events, uh, one personal and two from the news medium, uh, the uh, airliner crashed into an overpass, killing right. 160, 50, 60 people. I guess they weren't among uh, the 144,000. They didn't resonate properly, I imagine. Mm. I, I don't mean to make light of those tragedies. Uh, the uh, Tamils, uh, in violation of the ceasefire, you know, dragged off another busload of Buddhists and shot up 60 people. I don't know if all 60 are dead, but 60 were shot. And on my way home from during the sh my last show, last Tuesday morning, as those of you may have heard it, as well being beatific and kind, I found a dead body of a homeless person. The, the body was not being treated with any respect by the EMS In the subway, In right? the subway. The EMS people and the police were treating it like a bag of excrement. They just kicked it about and dumped it in and carried it off, and that was that. So, so much. So I guess he wasn't one of the 144,000 no, no, either. No, uh, I, I respect, I suppose, what the, those who were involved in the harmonic convolution, but it had no effect on the real world whatsoever. You mean you don't feel different? I feel more depressed. <laughs> I am that. I don't know. I don't feel any different. I slept through it. In fact, I was feeling pretty rotten on that day myself. So I don't know. What does it all mean? I don't really care. It's finished. It's had its 15 minutes of fame. Okay, before we get to James, I just want to say one more thing. I want to make one more announcement and see if anybody out there responds, if anybody out there is alive. To yeah. Did you, did you know that Friedrich Nietzsche went insane in 1888 and that that was the last year that he produced anything and in that year he produced an amazing number of books including of course Ecce Homo and the Antichrist who are, which are two of his greatest so what I'm suggesting is how about 1988 as the centenary celebration year of Nietzsche's madness any takers any ideas I have some ideas but I don't want to spoil it yet by um, giving only my ideas about this. Let's see if anybody, if there are any Nietzsche fans out there who think this is a good idea. I mean, I've had it with all these patriotic centen centenaries. I'm really not interested in this in the in the Constitution. Shocking, I know. But I am extremely interested in Nietzsche's madness. Have you ever read the last few letters that he wrote as he was sitting at the side at the sidewalk cafe in where was it Zurich or some unlikely spot? just as he was going mad. They're, they are fascinating documents. The last things he ever wrote before they put him away. And, uh, and he survived in the nuthouse for quite a long time. I mean, it was... Um, I don't know exactly when he actually did die. But uh, mentally, he died in, in uh, 1888. So what about it, guys and gals? 19, eight, 1988, the centenary of Nietzsche's madness. Just an idea. Let's see if anybody out there picks up on it. So, let's hear... Now, before we do anything else, I know you're all champing at the bits. You're saying, why don't you shut up and let's finally have a word from James Arsay, our host and guru from the Holy Land itself. So, let's spin it. Hello there, boys and girls. It's your old pal, James, here in what you call your holy land. Now, you may imagine that I am perhaps 
overlooking some ancient tomb or out here at night overlooking the city walls of Jerusalem maybe I'm surrounded by minarets let me describe to you what I can see from here I'm looking at a television antenna right now in front of me is a pile of sort of broken chair remains and to the left of me is one of the so ubiquitous solar hot water heaters you find all over Israel. In short, I'm on a roof. It's about maybe a little after midnight and I am in the city of Tiberias, which as you may or may not know is on the Sea of Galilee. It is the town that became the center of Jewish culture in Palestine after the unsuccessful Second Revolt that was squished by Hadrian in about 135 AD. I'm going to put this microphone down so I don't have to hold it so you may hear a little squish. So, just, I can lie down. Uh, I can rest my head, my, you better freaking believe it, weary head, while I, ah, uh, that's better. Well, Tiberius is where the Mishnah was compiled. It's where the Masoretic text of the Bible, that is to say the Masoretic pointing of the Bible, was figured out. Well, let me tell you, if Yehuda Hanasi, the compiler of the Mishnah, could see Tiberius now, he would squeeze himself into a mezuzah and never want to see the light of day again. Tiberius is kind of Miami Beach on the Sea of Galilee much as Tel Aviv is Miami Beach on the Mediterranean. It's Shabbat, the day of rest, right? This is Friday night now, and it's, as I said, a little after midnight. And the town is rocking, let me tell you. There are crowds in the streets. It seems like everything is open. There are magnum hotels. There's the... Um, the something Hayardan, I, I can't quite uh, make it out. There's the Plaza Hotel right next to it, both very luxurious looking edifices. And then there's yet another place where I can, there's, one, there's a window lit, the only window on the, excuse me, ah, the only window on the top floor and there's a, what appears to be, a woman writhing and slinking in front of the window, tossing her hair back and forth, obviously rocking to some unheard from here anyway, beat or other, a symbol of the state that the uh, city of Tiberias